Good morning, everyone. Today we're going to be looking at the fourth beatitude, which is to be found in Matthew 5 and verse 6. God blesses those who hunger and thirst for justice, for they will be satisfied. If you take on board what I'm going to be saying to you today, it will affect your life both now and well into the future. Did you know that over 1,200 children die every day from malaria? That's around 50 children every hour. And during the time that we meet together, 35 children will have died from that disease. If this was a disease affecting the rich nations around the world, like COVID has, don't you think that perhaps a cure would have been found that would be lasting? Did you know that 25,000 people die every day from malnutrition, including 10,000 children? That's over 400 children dying every hour because they don't get enough to eat. And that's over 300 while we're meeting together this morning. And did you know that a girl of 15 in South Sudan has a greater chance of dying giving birth than she has of finishing school? Did you know that Christians in North Korea are said to be the most persecuted in the world, even though their constitution guarantees freedom of religious beliefs? And it's estimated that over 200,000 Christians have gone missing since 1953. Did you know that many in our own country here are on the poverty line? 14 million of them. And it means that one in three children are living in poverty. That's nine out of every 30. So you can perhaps put a little picture of it if you look at your classroom. Did you know that over three billion people have never heard about Jesus? let alone know about his plan of salvation. And over 70,000 people die every day in the unreached world without knowing about Jesus. Does any of that bother you or shock you? Can, can you think of any marginalized children at school in your class? Maybe they're a little bit different, maybe a bit odd. Maybe they wear strange clothes or look very poor. Maybe they're on their own all the time. Is it because they don't get support from parents? We don't know, do we? Maybe some of them are bullied because they're poor. So what are you gonna do about it? You, uh, you might say, well, hang on a minute. I, I'm not an adult. I, I, I don't earn money. Um, I'm still in education. What can I do to help? My question for you is, are you going to fight injustice? Are you gonna do something about it? You, you may say, well, I've already started. I support the BLM. Uh, program, but do you have any black friends? Have you actually practically reached out to people who are marginalized because of their race or their religion or their color? In his first recorded speech after his baptism, Jesus read from Isaiah 61 verses 1 and 2. This is what he said, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me. For the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to comfort the brokenhearted and to proclaim that captives will be released and prisoners will be freed. He has sent me to tell those who mourn that the time of the Lord's favour has come. I love quotes and I've got a quote here from, um, from uh, Derwin Gray, who's an ex-Pittsburgh Steeler football player, American football player, but he's now a pastor. This is what he said. I long for sad things to be untrue one day, 
I hunger for wrongs to be made right. I thirst for the hurt to be healed and broken to be fixed. I want decay and death to give way to life and human flourishing. I'm longing for God's justice and shalom, that means peace, to overwhelm our unjust world. And as I long for the brokenness out there to be healed, I also desire the brokenness in me to be healed. I don't know if you've ever thought, how can there be a God out there with all this injustice, suffering and ugliness? And if there is, he can't be very powerful or loving, can he? Have you ever thought that? Well, whether or not you realise it, your anger and disappointment and desire for the ugly realities of our broken world to be fixed are actually a longing for the beauty of God. We have a desire built in us for justice, but it's nothing compared to God's desire for justice. I wonder if you've ever wondered, how do I know a line is crooked when I look at it? It's only because you've got a straight line to compare it to, isn't it? And if we know something is unjust, we must believe that there is a standard for justice. So if we long for goodness, beauty and justice, there must be someone who created these things. And when we get angry at the injustice around us, we're just joining the ancient Jews who in Psalm 33 verse 5 sang, The Lord loves whatever is just and good. The unfailing love of the Lord fills the earth. And later in the Old Testament, the prophet Amos said, I want to see a mighty flood of justice, an endless river of righteous living. That's Amos 5.24 if you want to look it up later. We believe that God made creation perfect. That's what the Bible tells us. But we messed it up. The great thing is that God didn't leave us in our mess. Amazingly, he joined us in our broken world and even allowed the sad things that have happened to us to happen to his son, Jesus, on the cross. Have you ever been really thirsty or really hungry? Um, I've had children and I know that the children have come in some days and perhaps you've done the same to your mum. I'm starving. I, I'm desperate for food. I wonder what it means to hunger and thirst for, right, for righteousness and justice. Does injustice actually affect you? Sadly, I found over the years that I get hardened by all the bad stuff and I don't get as upset as I used to because I've seen so much of it. But I still get very emotional when I see a child on television in one of the countries that we, that, that we see from Africa or Southeast Asia or South America. And I see a child suffering in some way and that really hurts me. The justice that we long for walked out of a tomb in Jerusalem. God wants us to be his agents of putting things right. First of all, to put right the things that are wrong in us and then for those around. And healing can only happen if we're willing to act. I really believe that God wants us to make a positive difference in the world, to be a giver, not just a taker. All of you will have heard of Marcus Rashford and you will probably know that through his lobbying of the government, he's made a difference to the lives of many deprived children with school dinners and so on, but you don't have to be a famous person to make a difference. Mother Teresa said, if you can't feed 100 people, then feed just one. So if you see somebody marginalized and hurting, you can help that one person and make a difference. And Nelson Mandela said, overcoming poverty is not a gesture of charity, it's an act of justice. There's a very well-known 
um, proverb that goes like this. Give a man a fish and you feed him for a day. Teach a man to fish and you feed him for a lifetime. It's very hard for hungry people to hear the gospel over the sound of a rumbling stomach. It's hard for people to hear that Jesus loves you when they see Jesus' people being unloving. Take a look at James chapter 2 sometime. Um, I'm going to read 14 to 17 and then verse 26. What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save them? Suppose, suppose a brother or a sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if it's not accompanied by action, is dead. As the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without deeds is dead. So are Christians doing anything to help the hurting people in the world? Are Christians doing anything to help against injustice? Are there organisations that you and I could get involved in? I'm going to share some of them with you. The first one is an organisation called Open Doors. It's a non-denominational mission working across all the denominations and it supports persecuted Christians in the world. They work with local partners to distribute Bibles and Christian literature. They give discipleship training and provide practical support such as emergency relief aid. I'm going to show you a little video that Ross is now going to show for us. What if your church had to meet in secret? What if spies watched your every move? What if following Jesus meant you faced violence or even death? Millions of Christians around the world experience these kinds of challenges every day. And these are the top 10 countries where faith costs the most. Number 10. India. Hindu extremists want to rid India of Christians and they are prepared to use extreme violence to achieve their goal. At number nine, Nigeria, where more Christians are murdered for their faith than in any other country in the world. Iran is at number eight. Secret house churches risk being raided by the police. If caught, be prepared for a long prison sentence. Number seven, Yemen, a war-torn country where Christians, if discovered, face the death penalty. Eritrea is at number six. If your faith is discovered, you can be imprisoned without trial in appalling conditions. Often, your loved ones don't even know if you're still alive. Number five, Pakistan. Say the wrong thing in Pakistan, and the notorious blasphemy laws could see you accused of insulting Islam and sentenced to death. At number four is Libya, a lawless land with no freedom of speech or belief. Somalia is number three on the list. Somali Christians can't reveal their faith to anyone or they could be killed, even by their own families. Number two is Afghanistan. If they find out you're a Christian, you have a stark choice. Flee the country or be killed. And at number one, North Korea, the most dangerous place in the world to be a Christian. Informants are everywhere. Discovery means death, either by execution or by being worked to death in a labor camp. 
At least 340 million Christians around the world experience high levels of persecution and discrimination. What if you could help them? For 65 years, Open Doors has stood alongside the persecuted church, strengthening Christians who dare to follow Jesus, no matter the cost. Your prayers and gifts enable our underground networks to reach millions of Christians with emergency food and aid, spiritual care, smuggled Bibles and Christian books, training and legal advice. But more than that, your support means that persecuted Christians know that they are not forgotten, not alone. After all, these are not strangers and they are not statistics. They are our brothers and sisters and they need our help. The next organisation that I'd like to uh, introduce you to is called CSW, that's Christian Solidarity Worldwide. It's a Christian human rights organisation which specialises in religious freedom and works on behalf of those persecuted for their Christian beliefs, persecuted for other religious belief or persecuted for a lack of belief. And here's another short video to explain a little bit more about their, their ethos. We believe everyone has the right to practice a religion or belief of their choice. We believe no one should suffer harassment, discrimination or persecution because of their beliefs. We believe that as Christians we must stand with everyone facing religious persecution. We believe our research and analysis enable policymakers to stand up for freedom of religion or belief. We believe everyone deserves to have their story heard. We believe in mobilising activists to bring change. We believe world leaders have a duty to protect freedom of religion or belief. We believe everyone has the right to justice. We believe your voice has unimaginable power and can save lives. We believe human rights are critical to enabling societies and countries to flourish. We believe we can all play a part in campaigning for freedom of religion or belief. We believe in empowering and equipping partners and communities to create lasting solutions. We believe in the power of prayer to bring change. We believe you can help. I'm also going to tell you about MEDAIR, which is an international non-governmental organisation inspired by the Christian faith, whose purpose is to relieve human suffering in some of the world's most remote and devastated places. MEDAIR aims to assist people affected by natural disasters and conflict to recover with dignity through the delivery of quality humanitarian aid. Uh, um, they employ experts in health and nutrition, shelter and infrastructure, water, sanitation and hygiene to provide the necessary humanitarian relief. Another organisation which many of you will have heard of is Tear Fund, and that's another Christian charity which partners with churches in more than 50 of the world's poorest countries. They t this is what they say on the website. We tackle poverty and injustice through sustainable development by responding to disasters and challenging injustice. Now, both of my sons-in-law, James Webb and John Oliver, have worked for them here in the UK. So you can find out more from them if you wish. Another one which you probably have not heard of is called Arosha. And it's a Christian charity working for the protection and restoration of the natural world 
and committed to equipping Christians and churches in the UK to care for the environment. So if your interest is in the environment, take a look at Arosha. God doesn't need your ability. All he needs is your availability. And just remember, you're the answer to someone's prayers. Now, my question for you is, what are you doing as a young Christian? Do you hunger and thirst for justice? Have you thought that God may be wanting you to train in the future for a career that can relieve suffering, both physical suffering and spiritual suffering? Just as it's good to be angry at physical injustice, so we should also be angry at spiritual injustice where people don't get the chance to hear about Jesus or are persecuted for their Christian faith. Why is it that so many people around the world have never heard about Jesus? And it's not just outside the UK, it's here in the UK. When we came back from um, Africa in 1985, um, our daughter, youngest daughter Ruth, um, who all of you will know as uh, Calvin and Reeds and um, Xanthes and, and uh, Parker's mum, um, she was only a little girl at the time, she was about seven, and she made friends with a, with a girl opposite, little girl, probably about four years of age. And I remember Ruth coming, running in one day with her eyes wide open. Mum and Dad, you'll never believe it, but the name of the little girl has never ever heard about Jesus, and that was right here in the UK. Oh, that God will put a hunger in each one of us to share the good news about Jesus with others and do something about the injustice in the world. God blesses those who hunger and thirst for justice, for they will be satisfied. There's nothing more satisfying than serving God in this way.